When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Courtney LaPlante from Spirit Box. One of the names that you'll oftentimes hear people toss around as kind of the face of the new generation of metalcore. Really excited to see them have a breakout year last year. They're coming up on 500,000 monthly listeners on Spotify now. And by the time you hear this, they will have announced their debut album. So check that out on Rise Records as soon as it's available. If you enjoy this show, there's a few things you can do to support it if you are so inclined. Number one, share it on social media. Tag me, tag the guest. Really helps a lot. Number two, you can buy some merch. There's a link to that in the show notes. Got some coffee mugs for all of you who watch my videos while you're eating your morning breakfast and drinking your coffee or whatever. Or you can support us on Patreon if you really, really like us. There's a link to that in the show notes. And also my mailing list. Subscribe to get an email every week with a link to my videos, podcasts, and also what Deanna and I are listening and watching and reading. So if that sounds interesting to you, all of that is in the show notes for this episode. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From Grief Benny, how do I get away from toxic media and negative news but still stay informed about important political issues? I find that balance very hard as I still want to fulfill my quote-unquote democratic duty and stay informed about this kind of stuff, but I'm also sick of artificial negativity of news sites. Any recommendations or thoughts on this? Well... What it comes down to is, uh, I think, two things. Number one, ask yourself some questions that may question a few of the assumptions that you have here. Like, you said you had a democratic duty to stay informed, but do you? And what exactly does, quote-unquote, important political issues mean? Do you need to be up-to-date on the latest thing about, and I don't know if this is how you do it, but you know, if you look at the news cycle, it's, it's full of basically useless noise. Like, what Nancy Pelosi said to so-and-so on Twitter and they clapped back and said this, and it's the same bullshit as like celebrity drama. That's not actually important stuff that you need to know about. And that's the majority of what's in the news cycle. If something is important, you'll find out about it, right? I think to me, step number one is opt out of this cycle of like outrage and basically just noisy bullshit. Like you don't need to know this stuff. And it's not your democratic duty to be a puppet to CNN or Fox News or whoever else wants you to like constantly be glued to their page getting angry about shit like that's not helping you it's not helping anybody other than you know the fucking advertisers on CNN who profit from your outrage or Fox News or whatever like it's it's a, a non-partisan issue to me they both want you to be outraged so what does being informed mean, I guess, is the question. And how much do you really need to pay attention to be sufficiently informed that you feel like 
you are, you know, a good citizen. I think you'll find out that you don't need to be as informed as a lot of people maybe assume or think that they do. You can choose to opt out of this like outrage machine anytime you want. And with that out of the way, let's get into it. Courtney, welcome to the podcast. Everybody doesn't know this, but this is our second attempt because I just got blasted with white noise and I had to restart. Apologies, but we are back. Uh, and what I was just asking about is I'm inspired by the fact that you guys live in Victoria because it is a beautiful place that I would love to live in, not too far away from, uh, here in Seattle, but it's outside the kind of place that we think of as a music industry hub. And I'm always interested in talking to people who make it happen, even though they, even though they live in a quote unquote, uncool place. And you started to answer that right about the time I got blasted with white noise. So maybe you can <laughs> tell me again what you were going to say. Yeah, you, you looked so disturbed <laughs> when I was because all you were hearing was that. So I was looking at you just talking about how bands never come to the island. And I was like, oh, this is he. This is very sad. He's really <laughs> sad about my reality I've been living, but it was the white noise. Yeah. And uh, uh, but yeah, I, I was I was saying that um yeah, first of all, just from you know growing up there, we don't have bands like coming through to inspire us. Like I feel like our our scene, our community is very isolated in as far as uh, you know music development. And then the other weird thing about that is I think that it, it really creates this mentality of like big fish, small pond. There's not really a lot of competition, um, and so that was just always my perspective growing up you know, making my own band in, in my local community is like, no, no one really ever came through and crushed our dreams that we weren't like rock stars. You know, that was, it was very rare. It was basically if you weren't seeing a band like in a stadium or something or go, making a very expensive trip to Vancouver and having to stay overnight. Cause remember I live on an Island, you know, transportation shuts down at night. So you, you got to take a you, ferry you, to Vancouver. <laughs> Yeah, you have to take the ferry or a plane and those aren't like 24 hour things. They, you know, the last one's at like nine o'clock at night and it's very expensive. It's like a luxury to go to a show or something for most people because you have to get a hotel and, and all that. And uh, there's also just not a lot of, you know, it's a smaller, it's a smaller community of people. Normally, if you live in a small community, well, maybe you can, you have a friend that lives two hours away who can drum for you or something. It's an inconvenient, but you can get together. I mean, but for us, you know, it always will involve a a, a plane ride or, or a ferry boat ride and a lot of driving. So I think it just, it made us, and I think most bands like us, either very complacent or very resourceful. And luckily, I feel like we're all very resourceful people. And um, rather than wait around and hope that someone wanted to, you know, grace us with their presence and, and help us make a music video or, or, you know, record an album or something. We kind of just, we're delusional enough to take it into our own hands, but self-aware enough to know that, you know, we're not the best at it. We just wanted to, we, we just wanted to do our best and, and get music out as quickly as we could and not just wait around for, you know, someone to be able to help us or for us to be able to afford someone else to, to take all that aspect of the band on. You go into it knowing that you're going to have to do this on your own because there is no industry where you live that's going to come along and hand it to you. And so in a way, I think that's an asset. Yeah, and it's it's liberating to me. You know, it's 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 great to know that you don't have anyone to rely on other than yourself. And 
I think you know us, Michael, my, the guitar player, and my husband in the band. You know us, us kind of going from just being in our local bands to all of a sudden uh, being uh, part of that the band I wrestled a bear once. That was like a big crash course for us in in you know leveling up and being amongst bands that are doing that professionally and aren't and aren't just isn't just like a pipe dream for them. Um, but it's also it, it was great because it also showed us all the the positive and negative realities. Of, of you know being a part of the professional music industry so I think we really learned a lot because um I mean how often does someone get to go from like you know I think Michael was like working at Best Buy and I was working at a yoga clothing store Lululemon and then we both when we each joined the band you know it was an overnight thing it wasn't like a gradual thing so we went from that being a pipe dream to like snap fingers and now we're like playing with people that are crew people that do this as their professional job and, and being exposed to all these other artists that are, you know, living the dream that we wanted to live. And we learned about what not to do as well. Oh, I'm sure. With Spirit Box, you guys, I feel like, had that breakthrough year last year that everybody is looking for. And correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. I, I remember, you know, I'd heard your name for years, but it felt like last year was like where things really happened in the way that everyone's like, man, I would love that to happen for me. Is is that accurate? Yeah, it was, it was so weird. It's like I, like I said, like when you're in a band, especially if you make, especially if you make weird music, but if you make any type of music, like you have to be delusional to get out of bed and like be vulnerable and go up and show your weird songs to everybody although to be fair yeah. like spear box is way way less weird than i wrestled a bear once so yeah you know, there is at least that yeah and i think that like our, i think that the metal genre we're so desensitized to what is considered commercial and what is not and we very much focus on like song format but then we forget that like if a quote unquote normie person watched me perform, they wouldn't not like it. Like they would actually laugh. Yes. Like I've watched people <laughs> react to me. So I think we forget that like we are in our bubble where every this is normal and there's like super weird bands and then like commercial bands. But the average person not only is completely ignorant to that this is like a huge culture, but like they actually really it really it actually made me feel very insecure i watched a couple people react to our music and then and and giggle like giggling because right. they were so uncomfortable like cringing at it because when you first hear it if you've never been exposed to it it's weird well you you've talked before about how you have a lot of friends you know locally who you know are not part of the metal scene and what what do they think of like your performance videos and stuff <laughs> well you know you get like is that you always get the I can't believe that's you doing yeah. that or like is that really you doing that but you know I'm I'm really lucky uh, that over the years my close friends have really even if it's not the kind of music they listen to they're they're just so fascinated by this whole experience that I'm having they've taken it upon themselves to like learn a little bit more about the culture of metal and like some of the touchstones of other, you know, other bands that maybe uh, resonate with this band or that inspired this band or so they're starting to kind of learn a little bit more about that. And one of the ways that they've been doing that is is watching your YouTube videos. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> you know, like it's like a good primer yeah. for 
for a lot of them, especially um, my parents. Like they've become a lot more interested in learning about not just my band, but like what what our peers are like in this in this genre. Last year was crazy because, like I said, you have to be delusional enough to think that people are going to give a shit. But then you also, it helps if you're self-aware as well, because you, you know, you, you have realistic expectations and you realize that you are not this infallible being. You ain't shit. It's very unlikely that you're going to be the next fucking Van Halen or whatever. Exactly. So, so you have to have that sense of reality to anchor yourself. And we've just been doing the same thing we've always been doing. And we had, I think that we come from this generation of like, numbers social media numbers versus engagement so we've never really had we feel like these crazy like street evangelical people on the street you know being like no we swear to god like there's something here like we don't have a lot of fans but we're i'm telling you the ones we do have like it's crazy they really like us so you know if this grows to the next level i mean think of the possibilities but on paper, it doesn't really look that impressive to to those of us that kind of grew up, you know, like buying MySpace plays. And sure. There's all these bands, you know, that have like a million Facebook likes, right. and then they'll they'll get like two comments. And they're all on their from Indonesia. Post. Yeah. So so I you know I never really got the vibe that people were taking like when by people I mean like the industry was taking us seriously, and you know it's kind of hard to take a band seriously when you're like I mean do they play shows and i'm like no i mean we don't have a full band and i can't just i can't afford it i'm trying to get people to purchase my shirts and buy my music so i can afford to like buy a van and stuff it's interesting that you say that because i know i'm very different from most people in music i don't care at all about whether an artist plays shows or not that's not important to me me neither because i never came to my island i never got to see them anyway i don't care yeah, and and i know that you know there's this sort of idea that like this is where bands make all their money which is true for some people but most smaller bands lose money on tours so yeah it's not like you know if you go see some metal band playing at a 350 cap venue they're probably losing money on that tour yeah to and they're playing to 75 people and i'm not putting that down but to me what i am interested in is like can you make people from all over the world care about what you're doing online because that's like a global stage which you did last year you know with like holy roller and your you know your performance videos and stuff i feel like everyone's heads just collectively were like oh what's that (laughs) yeah and I think that a lot of the time, you know, when bands are starting out, you know, doing a full length album, investing money into that and time and and investing money and time into going and doing your own DIY tours. And and I and, and my caveat here is like seasoned performers, like someone who's older, like myself, you know, if you're if you're a teenager, you need to play shows and you need to get that experience. But I'm talking about people like myself and my bandmates where we've all been performing for most of our lives and so I realize that that is like I don't I don't mean to represent every musician but I can only speak for myself it's like pure ego it's like I'm giving a th- I'm supplying a thing that no one demanded and so I'm get I'm going on tour so that I can feel like I can escape my shitty life but I'm I would rather just be patient and wait and do that so in a sustainable way rather than me just doing that and hoping that five people show up 
to the show and going and playing at a pizza place. I've done that enough in my life and it's and I, I don't need the practice anymore. I need I, I need to I need to wait and do it because, you know, unfortunately, we're not super we're not super wealthy people that come from super wealthy families and we're we're adults, you know, we're all in our 30s and and uh we're one bad tour at the time, you know, over the last like 4 years, like we're one bad tour away from having to having to quit because you know yeah, so you might come back we decided from to put our yeah 10 grand in the hole yeah so we um we first of all we didn't have any tour offers because no one gave a fuck <laughs> about our band and then the ones that we did you know we crunched numbers and would respectfully decline because i can't afford to lose you know, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars but there's a lot of people out there that really don't care because they need that they need that photo of them mm -hmm. on tour for their profile picture and they need the fans, you know, that are not there to see them actually, who are there to see the bigger band that they bought onto the tour for, um, to, to be there in the crowd while they play. And it's just like this purely egotistical thing, which I think is also important. Like we need to, I think as musicians, like that's kind of part of like how you're able to get up on stage is, is, that egotistical I mean, to, to, part of your thing. to get up there with a microphone in your hand and say everyone in the room should look at me and listen to the sounds I'm making is in, inherently or in, and it's the same with me making a YouTube video or a podcast like it requires a certain amount of ego to think that what you're doing is important enough that anybody should or would care yeah so I try to take my ego out of that aspect of my who I am, which is, a, you know, performance is such a big part of my identity and who I am and just focus on the things that I could control and create in controlled environments, which are music videos and playthroughs. And I really, we, we invested all of our time and money into that medium um, and didn't put out a full length album because number one, we can't afford it because to do it properly and actually, you know, put invest, you know, invest money into good production stuff is too expensive for us to just pay for on our own. So we just invested, you know, quality over quantity and just invested our money in doing singles. And somehow our plan worked to getting picked up by Rise and now we're able to, you know, afford our vision, which is to, like to to put out a full-length album. We didn't intend for it to take this long. In fact, Holy Roller was just supposed to be a fun song on the album. It wasn't supposed to be a single, but we just put out songs. We don't put out songs to like, this represents us forever. It's like, we put out songs because we were like, this deserves a visual medium right now. And this song represents how I'm feeling right now, this very moment. And we can do like the farm to table like really quickly because it's just us. Artisanal metal. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like. Did Holy Roller come before Rise or vice versa? Yeah, we wrote that well before then, and it was actually a kind of a cool way to establish the relationship, and I think kind of helped them understand us a little bit more because we got on the this After the Burial tour in winter of 2020, you know, obviously during the height of the pandemic, so that it was canceled halfway through um, in Europe, and our songs at the time were like pretty long, so we like we needed we didn't have another song that would fit into this, like, you know, two or three minutes extra time that we needed, but it was too much time to fill up with me just being like, so how's it going guys? You're like, uh, put your hands together. Hey, you guys seen any movies lately? You know, like, uh, I couldn't, I, it wasn't appropriate. I'm like an appropriate amount of time. So we were, had been working on a demo of a song that was 
the, to be like the fun palette cleanser on our full length album that we are creating. And we were like, let's just develop this song like on stage, like how we used to back in the day. You know, you'd like kind of write a song and the lyrics would change and mm -hmm. develop and stuff over time. And um, like in the DIY world of you just playing at your local pub or whatever. And um, so when the pandemic struck and we were home, we were really, we flew home, we were really pissed off and we wanted to put out some new music because we were planning on going into the recording studio right after that and, and recording all this stuff. And so we were, we just decided to put out a song that we felt we could during the pandemic, doing it by ourselves with everything shut down so that we, we couldn't really like go buy proper like sets and stuff. We were like, let's, let's like start right now. Let's develop this song. Let's record it remotely with our producer, Dan, and let's make a music video for it and let's put it out. So that was like a cool way introduction to rise because they had already been, they were already talking to us um and i think it was a great way to set a precedent to them of how we like to operate because they were like so hey i heard they were working on a song like uh what's going on with that and then you know we're like oh well, i mean we're putting it out next week we made our own music video we recorded it ourselves and it's coming out next week and they're all like oh cool you know they were like cool yeah. interesting you know they, they figured we were kind of waiting around for them but we were we showed like we have our own agenda and you know come on the ride if you want if you understand us and it's okay if you don't want to mm -hmm. we're gonna be fine so it's create i think it was a great start to the relationship because it created that like boundary immediately i think they get it i think they understand us very well of like what we want them to be there to be our like guidance counselors and, and help us and support us. But they also know that we are very like headstrong and we'll, we want to do our own thing. They're not trying to fuck with us, which is nice. Your, uh, I guess they're playthroughs. I don't know what you call them, but your, you know, vocal performance videos for that and uh, rule of nines got millions and millions of views. And that's actually what made me kind of take notice because they're such simple videos They're you know, and people just went fucking crazy for him. What do you think it is about those videos you did that made people connect with them like that? Well, you have to make a simple video when you're a woman because no one believes that you can do that. This is true. So it's funny because people are gonna comment on how you sound a little flat or there's not enough compression <laughs> in the vocal or there's not enough reverb. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I want, I'm just trying to show what I actually sound like when I'm standing there performing the song and it doesn't matter what I do people are always going to um assume it's fake right you know so I purposely like to title them as a one take performance because generally when you're watching anyone mainly men and women doing anything whether it's guitar drums or any sort of playthrough I think people just assume that it's live but it's not it's not live at right. all there it's all a studio recording and they're either lip syncing or they just didn't do a very good job of like syncing the audio and the video up. So there's a bit of a latency. But once I started making my own videos, I started to realize that maybe I was being a little bit too harsh on that because I realized sometimes it is kind of hard to sync before I realized that you could just like have software to sync up yeah. your video and audio, which great. Now I know that um, I realized that there's pro probably some of those they are doing it live. It just didn't sync up properly. But most of that stuff is not live. And especially with vocals, like live vocals, that is so tough because 
we all have a voice. And so we're, I think we're naturally able to pick out smaller errors or mistakes with vocals than we would with other instruments. So that's like a really vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. So, you know, of course I'm going to leave in when I'm flat or I'm sharp or if I come in a little off time because that's what I sound like. You know, I, I'm always crawling desperately towards the, the, me that is the recording and that, but that isn't that isn't me that's the best version of me that that me took me in a f- you know 20 hours to create like just over and over until I got perfect takes and so I think it's I would prefer to not do a full one take playthrough I'd rather like take cuts of my best performances but I just I was like you know what I'm so sick of people saying that I can't actually do this it's especially annoying when you're someone who really cares a lot about technical singing and you're listening to all these mistakes and then people are still saying that it's fake. And I'm like, well, if it was fake, I wouldn't have fucked up those eight parts. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, you know, I think this music, this genre is weird. Like it's like the fans are both very picky about that stuff, but they also like completely don't even notice that most of what they're watching isn't real and is, is mimicked. Yeah, like I, I, I point out, you know, certain bands, well, I'll just say it because it's not like it's a secret, like Infinite Annihilator has like blatantly fake drums and like that's what they do. Yeah. They're not trying to hide it and people are like... That's the sound. Yeah, and people are always like, how dare you discredit them and say those drums are fake? And it's like, it's literally the sound and it's it's funny how like the metal fans have this, like, I don't know, they're like weirdly pedantic and pompous yet also misinformed i know why they're misinformed it's because this whole genre is like this weird smoke and mirrors of craving validation because it's like none of us are making any money we're all broke we all make no money and i I don't mean to say that we don't i'm very happy with how things are going with the band and i can see like a future for my business and i'm i'm really i feel like I feel like I'm I've learned from all my mistakes and I think I think I see like this vision in the future of what I can be and 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 what I can do with my resources. So, I don't mean to like I'm not trying to be like oh help me I'm poor. Like I, that's not happening. But in general, I feel like people that like this music, it's like because they like the music, they think that then these people are all rock stars. But like we all are not everyone i know has another job everyone lives with their parents like unless they have another business that they run or something right like which which is oftentimes the case like if you see somebody in a band who's you know like a metal band who's balling it's probably because they do own another business yeah and so you know i think that that weird level of like of having this guard up and not feeling comfortable admitting that is kind of doing the genre a disservice because it makes all these people not understand how much like each other we all are. We're all struggling, you know? It was so weird, like, in my old band when I, when, you know, when people would be like, what do you mean you don't own a house? <laughs> well, especially in fucking Vancouver. I was like, yeah, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because a piece <laughs> of shit house costs a million and a half dollars here. Yeah, it's bizarre, but it's not the fans fault i think it's the musicians fault i think that everyone has such a chip on their shoulder of like yeah people never valid because you know like i was saying like we make the kind of music that if you show like some random girl who's never heard metal like she will laugh 
Yeah. She'll laugh. It's funny to them. And they might grow to like it, but the first impression is either like fear or cringiness. So like we have to all realize that like our community is still kind of in some ways underground and none of us are doing this to become like millionaires on yachts and stuff. Like I think sure. that I think that if that wall was broken down between artist and fan, it would be very helpful. Like when people are <laughs> when people are mad tweet at me like why won't you make more vinyl and i'm like give me ten thousand dollars and i'll right. make you all the fucking vinyls you want like hold on like i need just give me a sec like it's expensive <laughs> i need to make sure that you're gonna buy them first and then i'll make some vinyls like it's a it's a big investment so or you know stuff like that it's interesting and and i guess kind of surprising but not to me that there's still even you know with you being you and you're you know, history playing music that there's still as many people who would like, you know, question that you are able to do what you do. It's just part, it, 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 it's not even a music industry thing. It's just a, every woman that's in a male dominated field, we all, whether it's like questioning if they can pull a tooth properly because they're a dentist or you know do do a scrim on stage like right it's just how it is so we're all just used to it all i can say is i think there's been a big change and i think that there is a lot more empathy these days for for us if any of us that are a bit different or a bit more diverse in the metal scene and i think that the newer generation is um i think that they're doing a better job of like listening to one another and highlighting each other just being more empathetic and not just like seeing someone's thing that makes them diverse and, and treating them as, as a human and, and not objectifying us. So that's my experience so far, but I always have the caveat of like, you know, it's, it's also, I'm getting to live in this little la la land of like, wait till I wear a freaking bikini or something on stage. Then we'll talk. Then we'll see if the misogyny, the betrayal feeling of the fans of me deciding to objectify myself come out. Oh, it, it will. It definitely will. Because right now I'm like, you know, and people are like, I love that you just like don't wear this or that. And you just wear a t-shirt and jeans. To? And I'm like, well, that's what I felt like wearing today. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I'm broke. <laughs> I don't have, but now I want to, you know, maybe now I want to buy a cool outfit that makes me yeah. feel cool and powerful. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, 
everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, You can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Tell me what you think about this, because I want to make a video about it, and I would love to hear what you think. There's a lot of people who ask me to make a video about female-fronted bands, and I've always said no, because I think that's a silly label, and I don't understand, for one, the obsession with why is it so important that if there's a woman in the band that she's you know, the singer, why isn't like, why isn't a female drummer good enough for you? But besides that, I don't like the idea of, you know, covering anybody based on their gender or race or any kind of other like innate characteristic. But, you know, me being a, a man, perhaps there's something I'm missing there. What are your thoughts on that? I just think that the female fronted thing is annoying because it like puts us in a different category when it's not like female fronted, it's just vocalist star. Mm -hmm. So there's like any band where the vocalist, whether they're a guy or a girl, is like the star can feel a bit manufactured, you know? And I think people put a lot of emphasis on it when it's a girl, like, oh look, she's the sex appeal. Yeah. And then these guys are all the the shitty guys in the background. (laughs) The simps who show up to play her songs. Yeah. And I'm like, have you not seen all these other like little cringy metal bands where you can tell like someone at a record label was like, you're going to be the heartbreaker and you're so (laughs) cute. And then you boys are going to learn how to play bass. We'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. But you're going to be the cute bass player. And then you guys are going to, you know, all the girls are going to love you. So it's like guys don't think of that. And it's also like, oh, I don't care for female vocals in metal and i'm like no you just don't care for shitty vocals so you also dislike a thousand male vocals that suck right there's just the percentage of sucking to not sucking are the same the ratio is just a smaller percentage of people so if it's like 
10 women and 100 men that are all trying to make it in the metal world. So probably nine of those women will suck and 99 of those men will suck. But it's like everyone just ignores the you know that the the ratio is the same like everyone yeah. ignores that it's like no that there's just some bands suck there's a lot of really cheesy cringy bullshit metal because that's just the way it works it metal is very lost and trying to like people are trying i don't know what it is i feel like there's just some people that are involved in labels who are like if we really turn this into like cool like pop music we'll make money doing this but it's like you're but you're drawing from a talent pool of people who don't know what they're doing yeah and don't know how to make pop music so it sounds horrible and it turns out the pop music is really 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 hard to make and really 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 hard to sing and most people can't do it it doesn't normally work out when you are a minority of whatever you represent your entire focus group so like if this album comes out and it fails it's like there you go you let women uh, women everywhere down you blew it courtney now nobody's gonna sign a band with a girl in it it's yeah. all your fault <laughs> exactly you know what i mean like and then people don't they don't project that same responsibility on our male counterparts because they have the privilege of like having a little bit more individuality about their mistakes Exactly. Yeah, that's what I don't like about it is that, you know, saying female fronted or your top 10 female fronted bands or whatever reduces the people in that band or, or, or the women anyway to just their gender. In rock, at least, it's kind of either, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Either you're discredited for being a woman or they put you on this weird pedestal for being a woman. And either of those to me seem like that's just kind of weird, a weird, simplistic take that, you know, I guess these people are well-intentioned, but if your goal is to make, you know, women have more of a seat at the table in metal, I think singling them out and putting them on a pedestal based purely on their gender is probably not the way to do it. It's very patronizing to me. The only people that, the only other group of people that we do that to are children. Like, wow, that is a great guitar player dot 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 for a nine-year-old right right that is a great drummer for a 12-year-old but we don't you know what i mean like but so we do that for us oh that she's good that's why my podcast is called good for a girl because that's always been the thing that all of us hear like oh wow she's you're really good for a girl which is what people are saying when they label it as a female fronted band or best female guitarist even though they don't understand that they're saying that i really do think most of the time like their intentions are good but yeah they're effectively saying dot 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 for a girl yeah because it would be different if it was like 50 50 and there was like 50 percent women vocalists and 50 percent male vocalists but the ratio is more like 1090 and so it's like it's like hey so we're gonna remove you from this pool and give you a much smaller pool to compete with and that's who you're competing against but we're not competing against one another we're you know I I was actually talking about this with one of my friends recently they were just complimenting my work on the album and how it's great and that it's uh, there you know they're just like yeah and it's really cool because like you know you don't have a lot of competition and I was just like who the fuck do you think my competition is? I'm curious. Tell me, who is my competition? I was just, you know, being a bitch. And I was just like, I was like, thank you. I feel so much more relieved to know now that when 
this record comes out, there's a completely separate billboard number just (laughs) for women that I only have to compete against them. All the male people that are coming out with music, I don't have to compete against them. What a relief. You can tell because the numbers are in pink. Yeah, the numbers are pink and they cost 10% more. (laughs) Right. It's great. Woohoo! You know, and then they made them go... Oh shit. Yeah, like, you know. So it's mainly stuff like that. People don't mean it in a in a shitty way. It's just they've never had to think about it because they're the default. You know, they're in in this world that they're in. They're the default person, so they've never had to think about it. It's changing a lot though. I really do think that. I mean, admittedly, I I mean, there's been some times where I've gotten like tagged in something on Twitter and it'll be someone being like, "My favorite vocalists are" and it will be me with all these names of these guys that I am just, I respect so much and I just can't, it's really sad actually, but like it makes me cry. I seeing my name there and not with the asterisk preface, you know, the girl one, like just being like, I like these vocalists or like, I like these bands and having my name there. And I just feel like this respect and acceptance that I haven't ever felt before. And I think it's because of people changing i think people are just becoming uh more empathetic to to others and and just humanizing us Mm -hmm. well i think especially like the the real young people like the zoomers i think just think about it fundamentally different than people like my age do and as they become a bigger part of you know the audience i think just the old attitudes are gonna just die yeah and so i like to look at things like you know i don't like to react to every negative thing i see people say to me but some things I just go out of my way to respond to because I'm not trying to change the mind of the person commenting I'm trying to change the mind of like all the people that read the comment that also might agree with that person and I I always you know sarcastically refer to them as my teachable moments (laughs) (laughs) like it's a teachable moment how do you kind of balance like the fact that women you know things that men might do that are seen as like badass or assertive if a woman does the same thing she's bitchy how do you think about that it's annoying you know i feel like i have to really like watch my tone all the time you know i feel like most of us musicians are like really fucking weird and like bad at communicating to people that's something that i find is like a strong suit of mine like i enjoy talking to people and i enjoy being nice to people (laughs) and being friendly you know so i have that on my side but to be honest i do have to watch my tone sometimes and it's really frustrating when you know in anything you do any business that you're running as as a woman you have to sometimes not censor yourself but be very self-aware because you know my husband michael could say the exact same thing and the person will just listen to them Mm -hmm. because he's being passionate he's being a go-getter and then I might say the exact same thing and to that person I'm being aggressive or emotional or I'm being emotional and aggressive and those are looked at as bad things when one of my you know counterparts my peers are being emotional you know that's looked at as them being passionate so that's really annoying but I think a good thing is that because of my age I think you know I, I'm my band is starting it's hopeful ascent and not plateau starting its ascent at this age i've been able to really be like extremely uh, conscious of like who i surround myself with and my whole team of people that surrounds me is a bunch of really cool men and women who i think understand me which is really important 
So yeah, you know, there's always going to be really annoying negative people on the internet. One thing that's so annoying is I hate when I see like someone you know saying something wonderful about my band and then people being like automatically being like oh simping and i'm like do we need to make this weird and sexual can this person just not really connect with me as an artist i think this person was showing that they connected with me as an artist not you know i saw someone someone got a tattoo of of my face like from the holy roller video uh, and it was a really cool tattoo and everyone was being so mean to them being like that's so creepy simping for courtney she's gonna and, and i i actually went in there and i was like hey i just wanted you all to know this is tattoo is a piece of art that i created this is a, a like an image from a music video that i put a lot of time in like it is you but it's also it's almost not you yeah, it's, it's a beautiful image. image that I love and makes me so proud and and to see it on this person to show that they also, um, you know, respect, my, they, they like my art enough to, to, even if they don't even like my band in 10 years, they like my art enough to, that they thought it was a beautiful image to put on themselves. That's really neat. And the rest of the band feels the same way. And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it's complicated. Well, it's, it, there is that kind of, incel factor in metal where there's a lot of that kind of yeah that incel rage where that energy is going to get channeled into a lot of the online commentary and uh you know i hope that does change over time i don't know if it will or not but it's changing i think that metal is becoming more it's like becoming a little bit more mainstream and so i think those people are kind of having to now interact with other people who are not (laughs) so angry at women as they are and it's helping them you know it's like i think we all need to to talk to each other and hear each other's voices and the one good thing about the internet you know we all have a platform you mentioned uh your age i am very grateful that i you know i mean i've been making content for a long time but i didn't start youtube until i think i was 38 and I'm grateful that I was older when I found an audience because there's a lot of things I would have handled a lot worse when I was younger and probably really fucking embarrassed myself. Are, are you glad in a way that it took you a little bit longer? Yeah, I'm I'm happy. Like physically, I'd rather be younger because yeah. it obviously, as you know, it's a lot easier to like tour and stuff when you're younger. And, you know, my knees didn't hurt as bad. My back didn't hurt as bad back then. And I could live off of less sleep. Um, I didn't have heartburn, which was cool. <laughs> but other than but other than that, I'm happy and grateful that it took this long for us to get to this point because I think all of our life experiences really helped. And it helped us shape and finally figure out what we wanted to do as musicians. This band is us just like people watching in real time, a group of people trying to figure out what kind of band they are. You know, normally this, all this would happen before anyone heard of us and we'd then debut our album. But you're all kind of watching in real time us just being compelled to put out music that in that moment we want to put out without like a ulterior motive of like building up an album. We just have music and we want to connect with people and the only way we can do that is to create music videos which we mainly make ourselves. Honestly, my favorite part about this whole thing is my husband, Michael, being able to not have to do so much stuff because, you know, now that we have resources to work with, you know, video directors and producers and stuff like that, bless his heart, the man's going to add 
more years back to his life now. He deserves it. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask about being in a in a band with your husband, which is this is your second band that you've been uh, in a band with him. So obviously it's working for you. I've just now, you know, spent the past year and a half essentially, you know, working with my wife. We live in a, you know, small condo. So we're like next to each other. And, you know, at first I thought that was going to be hard, but I realized I actually love it. And I don't ever, I don't ever want to work apart again. And I'm willing to, you know, make a lot of sacrifices to be able to, you know, be together all the time like that. But at the same time, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some times where it's been stressful too, especially touring and stuff has got to be hard. You've chosen to do this twice. Why, why do you like that so much? It's compulsion. Like we are, we're just so drawn to it. After a while, we even got the same job in our, you know, while we've been trying to build this band, we have the same job. We work the same hours, the same job. We just like plug in data entry and do like payroll and stuff. And we just sit next to each other in silence at work all day and just like instant message each other about the band on the computer at work. We send each other animal gifts and videos. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. I just, I, you know, I've known Michael since he was 16 and I was 18 and I watched our bands play a show together at, this is so funny in Victoria, this, at an anarchist bookstore <laughs> to like 50 people. And I knew I wanted to make music with him ever since I first saw him. And we ended up playing music together. And then second I joined, you know, we were already dating when I joined Iwabo and then second that you know like when there's people in the van you just know they're like on their way out they're about to go out to pasture so I'm like all right this one this guy is about to you didn't join the band as a package deal no I was like his long distance girlfriend for like a year and then finally the one guitar player you know he went out to pasture he, (laughs) he was set free so we're fine you know you can just when someone doesn't want to be in a band anymore like you know it's it's they don't just wake up buddy they don't just wake up one day and are like hey i'm leaving you know there's they've they've dipped their toe in a couple times and so then i was just like all right bring up bring up the young guy let's bring him bring in so we called him young michael in that band because he was there's three guys named michael (laughs) he was the youngest one and uh and it was just so awesome to get to make music together again because at the time I had been like supporting him making music on his own and he was supporting me making music in my band. And I don't know what it is. We just love making music together. We're It's cool. We're like music soulmates that happen to be real life soulmates as well. And we just love spending time together. Like it just, it works for us and we have our own things that we love to do and our own, you know, our own interests that are separate from one another. But man, I am... I love being in a band with him. Like we love touring together. We love, we love celebrating all these things together. And it's, it's like, it's our, it's like our baby, you know, like mm-hmm. the band's our baby. Well, my wife and I've done a couple of vlogs together and I really liked it. And I thought that I want to do more of this. And I, I would like to have somewhat of a, uh, I don't know, it's kind of a douchey word, but somewhat of a brand as like a couple, because I think we're both pretty funny and entertaining and people seem to like our vlogs together, especially now that your fans are kind of a little bit older and a lot of them are married and stuff. Do people follow you guys kind of as a couple? I think people really like that. I think I've always been drawn to any band that had like a family aspect. Like I, I think it's so cool that like Gojira has the siblings in the band and I, my, my old band before I joined Iwabo was a band with me and my little brother. And I've just always, I've just always 
liked bands like that because there's like this really special connection if you have spouses or or, or your um, siblings or something like that. There's always like that cool family connection there where you're so intimate with one another that I feel like it's the perfect person for you to like be vulnerable with in your music. I mean, that is a real litmus test for a relationship to make music together. So there's potential for like butting heads creatively to live together and, you know, and then also to be like broke and living in a van together for months. And so if you can survive that, you got something. Yeah. It was actually like a big negative for people wanting to even entertain like signing our band, you know, people being like, oh, they're married. I mean, who's going to be home then making money while the other one's on tour? And I was like, I mean, are you making sure that all the bands that you sign are not single are you going hey are you all in long-term relationships because you need to have a wife at home making money who pays your bills when you're out on tour it always annoys me if someone doesn't like our band and they don't just say like i don't like the music and they have to they make some weird i'm like just i would much rather you just not like the music than have some weird like slightly like misogyny tinged right right just say you guys suck. I don't want. I don't want to sign you. Okay. There's been a couple that have been like, "Oh, well, we already had a band with a girl, and it didn't do well." Well, that there can be only one. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, you also." I'm like looking at the roster. I'm like, "Well, you also seem to have a lot of men on your roster that aren't doing well. Maybe you should be dropping those guys." But uh, yeah, you know, we we signed a, a band with a left-handed vocalist a couple years ago, and they really just kind of fizzled. So we're gonna pass. Yeah. We're- <laughs> Exactly. But I think that's the thing. Like no one's ever held, they haven't been held accountable because no one, there's not been a lot of other voices, you know, telling them, hey, that's sexist, dude. Especially like radio. Like if the radio people, if if the screenshots of the radio, rock radio people talking about like why are they are not playing bands got out, like. Oh, I can imagine. It would be like horrible though you know like those are that stuff's crazy you have to really you have to be very aggressive as a woman to get on on one of those things and it would be very helpful if you had a guy singing as well they just don't rock radio i don't mind i don't care because i i mean the fact that people are entertaining putting my music on the radio is like it's just something that i was never i never reached towards you know like so i'm just kind of that's like a cool bonus i'm like hey that's awesome. Whoa. But that whole world is very weird and mysterious to me. I'm not a particularly woke person, so this is this is a, a thing that I didn't think I would ever say, but I just straight up think rock people don't like women, like in general. They just don't. I mean, any band that has a primarily female fan base is hated. Any woman that makes music, like you said, their credibility is questioned about are they really doing it? You know, are they an industry plant? It's just like, do I write my own songs? Fill in the blanks. Yeah. And eventually, like, why don't you guys just say you don't like women? Because that seems to be what it is. They don't like us objectifying ourselves or not objectifying ourselves on our terms. And they're not, they just don't like it. Like, it irritates them. Yeah. It's just the whole performance of like femininity that, you know, I have to acknowledge that I'm like how I look aesthetically and stuff. I'm like traditionally feminine looking and I'm an, I'm an, I'm a traditionally like, I'm not saying this like to, to brag or something. I'm just like, I'm a, I'm a traditionally attractive person. I'm, I am a girl. I have long nails and long hair and, and I look, you know, girly so I have to acknowledge that if I ha- if I veered from and this is how I choose to be and this isn't like pressure I-, I love makeup and I love 
sparkly outfits and stuff. But if I didn't adhere to that, I mean, I can't even imagine the shit I'd get. If, if I was maybe a little bit more plus size or a little bit more masculine looking, I mean, the words I have to get rid of on my on YouTube, you know, to make so they can't get posted are, it's so weird. It's just always like, the first thing is to like devalue your femininity. So like the the biggest insults that like a guy can fathom is like letting me know that I don't that they don't find me attractive. <laughs> oh no! How I'm like I oh survive? no! Oh god! You know you're you're gonna get it either way. Like say someone like Pokimane, for example, the streamer who's super popular. Either she's only popular because she's hot, or she's an ugly bitch. Yeah. Which one is it? Yeah. You're going to get it either way. And so what that tells me is that there's no real rational basis for it. I mean, not that it would be different if it was rational, but they're just going to find a reason to hate you because you're a woman. And yeah. it's, it feels, I, I mean, I, I wish it wasn't that simple, but it sure seems to be the case. But anyway, yeah. And like I said, I have it easy. I got it easy. Like th there are women or non-binary people that, or men who don't present as traditionally masculine. They have it way harder than me. And then you factor in race or sexuality or um, any of those factors. And there's just, it's like these just layers that I don't even have to deal with. But it's like the same thing that I wish that all of the listeners would do. Just because you're not having to deal with it doesn't mean that you shouldn't educate yourselves on those people's voices so i don't know i think it's getting better i think it's a part of what holds metal back though yeah i don't mean to be naive because i do i am self-aware enough to know that like if i presented as less feminine um or if i present as too sexual that is going to disappoint people which is so ironic because i i mean i'm like butt naked in like half our music videos i'm like in a bathtub or like covered in glitter or like in a lake it's like that's okay because i'm not being like sexy yeah well you have to walk the razor's edge of like what you're allowed to do as a woman to you know get the pat on the back take one step out of line and you're gonna hear it it's annoying and it's exhausting but at the same time i feel like i'm allowed a level of expression that a lot of my male peers aren't allowed and i think that's and that's in that in that way that's why that toxicity hurts everyone it hurts men as well and it's why you know i'm allowed to sing how i sing and and sing about what i want to sing about and i'm allowed to be vulnerable and i feel uh, respected but then maybe if one of my male counterparts did the same thing or maybe was a little less aggressive or powerful in a song he might get made fun of so you know i think just it helps everyone for us to all stop being so fucking sexist about everything it's gonna help all the guys it's gonna help all the girls it's gonna help everyone in between so it's just i feel like rocks in like a freaking time like a limbo and younger people do not play this shit at all no so if you want teenagers to care about any genre of music which you should because teenagers are the driving force behind the entertainment industry this stuff cannot be present because they do not accept it whatsoever and if they check out your genre and they find out that there's a bunch of like, you know, whatever, sexist, misogynist, racist, fill in the blank, just bigoted people, they're fucking out of there. Yeah. Like I was talking to like my booking agent and I was like, he's like, hey, what, you know, what bands do you want to tour with? And I was like, okay, well, the, my lowest bar is I would like to tour with people oh, who don't fuck kids. <laughs> so if we could just make sure that no one fucks kids, 
that would be great and he crosses so easy. off a bunch of names yeah. off the list all right what's next and i'm like and then if there if we could not you know if if we could avoid being around uh having my coworkers that are in bands like be violent towards women uh or abusing their spouses and all that stuff and not and not doing that uh that would also be like so cool i'd love that and so i just don't know what it is there's always going to be that weird power dynamic in music of these guys just like trying to fuck kids it's so easy to not fuck kids i'm doing <laughs> it right now i have a whole little mantra we we yeah, don't fuck kids don't fuck them don't do it it's interesting and sad to me that you know there's a lot of behavior in the music industry that's accepted that isn't illegal but is gross for example I'll leave their name out, but there was a band who was, because they were found not guilty of this, they were accused of raping somebody a couple years ago, and the police investigated and found that it was not true, and the woman involved said that it wasn't true, and so that's good. However, what they did do, they admitted to, was they, like, gang-banged her, and she got annoying, and so they, like, threw her out of the bus on the side of the road. And everyone's like, yeah, they didn't do anything wrong. Like... Well, they didn't break the law, but that's still a really fucking shitty thing to do, and nobody seems to have a problem with that. It's just so gross, and that's why I think it's great to... I want these people to feel self-conscious. I want these people to feel insecure, and all of a sudden that I've infringed on their fucked-up space. I I want that. Like, that's the cool thing about like gaining power when you are someone who's is a, a different voice, is then you have this power to, like, determine who gets this spot like i cannot wait to like pass up a tour because some asshole is like hey we want you on the tour and i think they're a piece of shit and i can get my booking agent to say no they don't want to go on tour with you they think you're a piece of shit <laughs> like i can't wait because right now i'm i'm not i don't want to like punch up and like try to use their fame to get people to know about me but i can't wait that's the coolest part about that is like because then you you start having like leverage and power and social currency that you don't currently possess and i can't wait to get to be like i'm not touring with that person i'm not doing this festival with this person it's the only way that you can like make change in this space you know it's like to gain power so it's one of the cool things about my band becoming successful and why i don't want to just putter out you know I, I was telling someone else today like how many people have you interviewed who are like the next big thing and then they just fucked up <laughs> you know like they just fucked up and they 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 had their chance like kelly clarkson says you had your chance you blew it so i don't want to be that person but see if you have no goals or expectations you can't fuck up like i don't know i have no clue like okay we put a song out last week and tonight some at some point we'll get the the billboard numbers I'm like, what am I supposed, is it supposed to be the number one song in rock and metal? Is it supposed to be number a hundred? What's good? What will, will people, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I just, I can't tell because it's all so new. I don't have like an expectation. I'm just like happy to, I'm like, I'm happy to be here. Well, at a certain point, I mean, you can and should have goals, but I think expectations is the place where people go wrong because there's so many things you don't control and having expectations, I think, is just setting yourself up for disappointment. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to just have, go through this with an open mind and just thinking about the things I can control, which is just, you know, try, doing my best on 
deciding what songs we put out as singles and video making music videos and the imagery is the part that I can control now because the music it's printed it's there I'm really excited to be able to have people hear it and talk about it with me because I've just been like I haven't I haven't really sent it to people and I haven't really talked a lot about it with people because I've just been very focused you know and so I've like based I talked about it with like my parents <laughs> the album like that's that's nice honey i'm sure it's very good (laughs) yeah so they're gonna love everything i you know i could everything i do will be like me doing like puke screams for an hour and they're like good job honey (laughs) you're doing it so i i'm excited but it's also like i didn't intend to have all this hype for our album coming out because we just haven't put it out and recorded it because of the pandemic you know we would have put it out a year ago if things went according to plan, but now it's like, I just feel like there's more to live up to and I don't want to disappoint people, but I really, obviously I really love the album. I love it. And I I hope people understand it. Is that a good thing or a bad thing that people have expectations now or just is what it is? How do you feel about that? I think it's good because I'm just so happy that I have the privilege to have people give a fuck about it. Like, you know how many people would kill for that to be this scared like i've been chasing this my entire life to be at this level right now where i'm like having anxiety attacks at three in the morning thinking about like people hearing my music um it's just we have such awesome fans i just don't i i just i would be so crushed to let them down because i tell my like music is for so selfish for me like it's compulsion i'm just purely making stuff for myself but at the same time you know, I, I like live through these reaction videos of people watching us because I don't, it's the only way I can simulate that feeling I get live of seeing people, you know, hearing us for the first time. And I, I mean, I, I try not to put too much stock into them and like watch all because the second that they turn negative, it will, is will be heartbreaking to watch in real time. Like people not liking my music. So it does bum you out if you see a reaction that is negative or critical in a way that is you know maybe not just totally hateful yeah it does it bums me out because it's all i have but at the same time you know it's just kind of to be expected because i there's this is nothing new there's there's the cool new hip band and everyone buzzes about them and they're the underdog because like no one will give them the time of day and then and then you like them, you you like them before everyone else and you believed in them. And then all of a sudden, I mean like, and you, oh, so underrated, they're so underrated. But we're not underrated, we're just rated. This year we're about to, you know, we're getting like magazine covers and doing things that I never thought I'd get to do. And like, that's no longer an underdog. And it kind of, you're no longer like, when all the big guys are also into the band, it doesn't make you feel like you're rooting for someone anymore. And it's interesting how that changes the narrative that people make up in their minds. Like, oh, did you hear the new Spirit Box song? There's no screaming in it. Courtney doesn't want to scream anymore because they want to be a rock band now and just make up all the stuff that I'm sure is pure fiction. And you're like, no, that's just the song we happened to write at that time. Yeah, it's really weird. And I, again, it's our fault. It's the it's rock music's fault because we don't ever talk about numbers and we don't ever like all those internal, you know, album sales and stuff of first week sales like no one sees. So 
people don't understand how many streams of like Holy Roller we did that song that song was the most played song on Sirius XM Liquid Metal in 2020 and it wow. came out in t- in the middle of 2020 and that was just a, an independent song and that's crazy so that's what is frustrating because if we were just going to listen to our label and try to go for a cash grab, then we would just make that song 10 more times right. and put out an album of that. Cause that's clearly the song that people responded to the most, but that song's an outlier and, and I, I don't want to make that song over and over. I just sure wanted to make that song in that one time. And that's not going to be the direction that I take this band in. And it's so funny because then I put out a song that, you know, I, I perp- we purposely were like, let's write a song that is our love letter to metalcore and has like the call out at the beginning and has a charge up call out and just kind of our way of being like, we still love metalcore, even though this album isn't going to really represent metalcore. Probably we, it still is something that, that um, inspired us to make music and it's like our roots in when we started making music, but people hear it and then they're like, oh, you guys are just trying to go for radio. What radio? <laughs> what are you fucking talking about? Like, you think they're playing this on Kiss FM? Right. Like, Cause we're so desensitized to how weird this music is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, I don't consider someone saying that something I'm making is like catchy or fun to listen to as an insult. And I don't want to, you know, I always remind people like the mu- some of the songs that you like the most of us. I mean, I wrote six years ago. I'm a different person now and I don't want to write that. I wrote that song then. And unfortunately, that's the hard thing about following an artist is like they might not change in the way that you want them to change. But I don't know. I feel like the second we start giving a fuck about that, like it's just bad. I have to remind myself of that, too, you know, that sometimes I get sort of really hung up on, oh, what does my audience want? And I yeah. and that does matter because I, I do want to create something that they enjoy, you know, but ironically, I feel like you're not going to make something, pe- make something that people like if you try hard too hard to make something that people like you know what i mean yeah because it just becomes very forced and uninspired and that's when you know feel like that's when you get into the the most trouble is when it's just clear that i'd rather do something that like i love and people hate than do something that i don't love and they don't love and nobody loves and it's just kind of feels phoned in that's when you really like hit the dead end i think it's just because like the people that listen to and watch your content and then the people that listen to my music, like we have such amazing super fans in metal where they're so like financially supportive. They're actually like literally invested in the bands. I mean, what other genre of music can you think of where the people that listen to that music like exclusively wear band merch as they're, you know, like they're not doing that because that's their style. They're truly want it's become their style but it's because they're so supportive of these bands like it's their way they know that these bands is the only way they're making money they're so supportive i feel compared to the average fan of any other genre of music so i think that's why they because they have this like sense of ownership over us you know because they truly are involved in our development and success so then when when the band changes and i think you like feel betrayed mm-hmm Cause now they're like selling out, but 
it's just one of those weird things where I think if we did all this on our own and we didn't have a label, then people wouldn't go, oh, the label's changing the band. Like, the label doesn't come and hang out. Like, we don't even have an A&R person. Like, we just go, here you go, guys. And then they're they, like... They don't, they're not telling you, we want three metalcore bangers, two ballads, and... No, and then the ironic thing is, like, there's all these other bands. It's just this weird, dirty secret. Like, no one likes to admit, like, hey, there's, like, five dudes in the metal industry that write everyone's songs. Right. You know? And write all the lyrics and everything. Like, and then they just... Or they're like, ugh, we need, like, two more songs for our album. And then they'll ghostwrite. Someone will ghostwrite songs. Like, people assume everybody in metal writes their own music and they assume that every member that you see playing an instrument in a music video you are hearing their performance which is almost never the case no michael writes all the drums he records the bass and guitar he is the main music person in this band and then zev is the guy that we're working with for drums he goes in and he will like you know make them from michael who's an incredible drummer to zev who is an incredible professional drummer and so he'll take, you know, he, he kicks it up to, you know, a 12, like he, you know, just, just little things that it would annoy a drummer when they hear that is, that isn't like, uh, isn't exactly how a drummer might play something. But Dan and Michael, right, like our producer, Dan, write a lot of drums and Dan will help write like some melody stuff and give us sounds, but he's more there like to support, but he's a great songwriter himself. But I, I think it's funny. I think people think when they're really shocked when we're like, oh, yeah, Dan helps. He came up with this uh, chord progression. You know, and people are like, what? <laughs> I mean, that's know? what producers are for. It's to help yeah. the band, you know, with whatever raw materials they have when they walk into the studio to take those raw materials and come up with the best possible album, which sometimes may involve writing a few parts. Other times, maybe it's no writing nothing. It's just recording them. It really just completely depends on the producer and the situation. Yeah, so it's ironic because we have like the least amount of outside, you know, people coming in because Dan's been, Dan has been uh, mixing our band since the beginning. We've never worked with anyone else, just Dan. And then there's these other bands that have like just random dudes who don't really even care, don't give a fuck, just like bang out some song and give it to them. But everyone assumes that all these guys write their own stuff and it's like this dirty little secret i'm like i'm i i don't want anyone else to write myself yeah I, i'm good at it but you know i i understand why but there's some people who just want to play music yeah and it's not important to them whether they wrote it or not that's not how i would do things but that's okay too yeah i i agree so i think that if we had a bit more like transparency in this genre it would be really helpful I agree. Well, I've taken up enough of your time. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying a lovely spring up there in Victoria. Any uh, words of wisdom or uh, anything you want to plug before I let you go? Once this is out, our album that is called Eternal Blue will be announced to the world. And so I really hope that you guys like it. We'll have another song out by the time you hear this. And this one is called Secret Garden. And this one is like, I don't even know what to call this. It's like a prog pop song mm. or something. I don't know. So, you know, I guess if I, I'd love you to check it out, um, just stick around for the album. This album is going to be a very cohesive body of work that represents what we've been working on over the last couple of years. And I just, I really hope you like it. And, but honestly, I'm just, I, I'm honored that, people are even checking it out you know whether you like it or not thank you for listening to it and 
I'm really stoked to be on this podcast because Finn, your voice is a big part of my day. Oh, amazing. One time I was doing, I was like doing the dishes and I was listening to you and then I saw a little clip of myself on one of your videos. <laughs> and I was like, like when I was me going, it's time for some singing and yeah. some screaming. And I was like, oh my God, he knows who I am. Of course. <laughs> so I'm really happy to get to talk to you. And yeah, I mean, let's all just, let's hope that this summer goes well, guys. And let's, let's get together in the fall and do some fucking festivals and go back to rocking. Let's do it. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.